Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Lake Homer Church. If you are visiting with us, we are honored to have you as our guests. We're starting a new series today. The series is called the Lake Homa Standard. The Lake Homa Standard. Now, five and a half years ago when I first got here, I didn't know much about this congregation. But in the five and a half years I've been here, I've learned a lot about each and every one of you, and it has been a true blessing. And there's something unique about this congregation, and I've been to, this is my fourth congregation that I've actually worked in, and I would say that this is the most unique and blessed congregation that I've ever been a part of, and I see the character of Jesus in in this congregation. Now, that's not saying that I don't see the character of Jesus in the other congregations. That's not what I'm saying, because they were good congregations as well. But what I am saying is there's something unique here. There's something that's been passed down. There's something that's here that has a history of who you are as a people of God, and it's just special. Now, what I want to do is I want us to try to identify that. And so that's what we're going to do in this series is try to identify that, but also kind of even raise the level a little bit as far as the expectations. And when we talk about standard, when we talk about standard, we're talking about something that is expected and something that is measured, okay? And so when I see that word standard, what standard do I need to do whatever, Whatever that is in one's life, you know that that's going to be something that's expected of you. This is a standard. I expect you to kind of abide by that. And it is something that is measured. So therefore, here's the standard. Here's where you need to be, and here's what it is. So when I see that word, the Lake Homa standard, which I've heard before, this is kind of who we are as a people of God, what I instantly see in that is those two words. It's measured, and it is expected. It's expected. Now, what I want to do today is I'm just going to start off, start off today with my favorite verse in the Bible, okay? And it's the Scripture reading that we read. And there's a reason why this, this Scripture, you can go ahead and stick that on the screen, this Scripture is actually my favorite Scripture in all Scripture. It's because there's a lot of movement here, there's a lot of transformation in this Scripture, there's a lot of calling us back to a standard that is expected and ought to be measured. And so I love this passage. There's a lot of passages I love, but I do love this one because it's a transformation that happens in each of us as well. So listen to the passage again. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, when you see this passage of Scripture, you notice right off, right off the bat, and we all with unveiled face. Now, when I see that, what does that do? Does that not take you back to a story in the Old Testament? At least it does me, right? How many, are you there with me on that? Okay, get your Bibles out. Not going to be on the screen. Turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. I want to show you this because I just think this is exactly what Paul is trying to tell us and teach us about here. 
And he goes back to this. And for you that are filling in the blanks, we may get through half of it. Okay. Here we go. I want you to look at chapter 34. We're going to start with verse 6. Now, understand, let me set up the scene. Let me set it up. Moses has come down from Mount Sinai first, this first time that he's done that, and remember what he sees in the camp and what he hears. He hears reverently, and he hears this stuff going on, and he doesn't like what he hears, and what does he do with the tablets? He throws them down, and he breaks them, right? And so that first time on Mount Sinai that he had spent 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights, up on that mountain, he takes his, those tablets that God had written on with his, with his finger and he throws them down and he breaks them because of everything that's going on in that camp that he can't believe. Now, all that's taken care of and God wants him to come up again and do that. And if you remember, the second time Moses has a request his request is, is God, can I, would you please allow me to see your face? And he begs him, more, not one time, but multiple times to do that. And so God says, you cannot see my face or you will die, but I will pass by. And so look at Exodus chapter 34, let's start with 6. The Lord passed before him. And proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And remember, God's speaking about himself. This is his description about him. This isn't a writer saying this. This is God's words. These are him. He is speaking. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so we see that this covenant is renewed, and then drop over to, uh, to verse 28. Verse 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, he neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now, here's where we get to this scripture right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. When Moses came down from the mountain Sinai with two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. They're seeing him as he is. They're seeing him with this face that is unveiled. They're seeing him with the glory of God expressed. And he is like the sun shining. And everybody's afraid of him. Verse 34. When Moses, 
went in, uh, verse 33, and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he had, what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again. And he went in, when he went in, to speak to him. All right, now let's read this passage one more time. And we all, with unveiled face, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. We, because we see the Lord, we, because we stand on Mount Sinai even today, we, because we have the presence of God within inside of us, we know God, we see God. Guess what? We have a face that shines like stars in the universe that we talked about two weeks ago. We are stars that shine in the universe. And when we come before the Lord, we come without a veil on. And we want everybody to behold and see the glory of God that is within each and every one of us. In the same image, from one degree of glory to another. In other words, your degree, your degree, your degree, and your degree that you have and yours may not be the same, but we all have a degree of the glory of God within us. That's the Lakehoma standard. The Lakehoma standard is that God is present in the people of this church, that He is living within inside of us, and He is making a difference within each and every one of us. That's the Lakehoma standard. All right, let me give you three things. Let me give you three things, because I don't think I'm going to get to any other thing today. But I'm going to give you three things that really talk about who we are as a people of God. Who we are as a people of God. Okay, so here's the first thing. Here it is. The Lake Homeless Standard is a sacrificial commitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is to Him that we praise and we give glory and honor in our lives. That's what we do. As a people of God, as a people of God, the Lake Homa Standard is a sacrificial commitment. A sacrificial commitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so how many of you, how many of you actually remember the day of your baptism? Okay, all of us do. I remember mine was on a Monday night. My brother was baptized on a Sunday because my dad baptized him, but my granddad was preaching, and my sister and I wanted my granddad to baptize us. So we waited on Monday night, and that's when I was baptized, in the cold water that was still Sunday. They didn't change. That was, they couldn't fix it in time. So cold water, and I remember that too. It wakes you up. How many of you have been the cold water? Okay, some of you understand exactly what that means. And when you think about your baptism, how clean, how clean did you feel right after that? I mean, didn't you just like, 
this is awesome. My sins are washed away. I have nothing but purity inside of me. And I thought, here's what I thought at 13. I thought, I'm going to try to be the first one that never sins. It didn't last long. It did not last long, but that's the way I thought. Can I just be what God wants me to be the rest of my life? And the answer was no. I failed, like all of us do. But that sacrificial commitment, that commitment of union with Christ was something that was so special and is so special about us. Look at this passage of Scripture. For in Christ Jesus, we are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Brothers and sisters, our baptism was the beginning of our transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It was the point at which this union happened in that watery grave, and we were wedded with Jesus Christ. It was that marriage ceremony that you can almost say that we came together as one. He came into our lives. We are now sons of God. Each and every one of us, just like it says there, we are all sons of God through Jesus Christ. And we, our sins have been washed away. We are therefore sons and daughters. We are therefore saints. We are redeemed. We are heirs. We are forgiven. We are anointed. We are people who have a new title. A new title. We are Christ's sons and daughters. And when you think about this sacrificial, you think about this sacrificial commitment that all of us have made, we understand that the water has, is no different. That water is no different than anything. It's not the water that does the work. Who does the work in us? God. Who else does the work in us? Jesus. Who else comes inside of us? The Spirit. It's the whole idea of the union of God is inside of each of us. And when He's inside of each of us, it ought to make us different. It ought to be that we are shining like stars in the universe. Why? Because we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Spirit inside of us. Therefore, I am to shine like stars in the universe. I am not supposed to put a veil over our face. But how many of us do? How many of us actually put a veil to hide God? To make Him so I don't, others don't see that. And some of us do that. The first thing that I think the Lake Homa Standard needs to happen is, A, I am willing to give Jesus total control of my life. Because of this commitment that I've made, because of this way that I have gone down and I have come up, I have been raised into a new life, and I have said to Jesus, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm totally connected, totally you are in control, I give it up and give it all to you. We have been freed from sin to become Christ's slave. 
And you go, wait a second, whoa, 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 time out. I'm not going to be anybody's slave. All right, turn to, not going to be on the screen. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, I'm going to read it out the ESV, but I'm going to tell you Oh, we'll get there. Verse 22. We'll read verse 22 and 23. For he who is called, who was called in the Lord as a, what does yours say? Anybody have slave there? Okay. What, what version are you reading out of? What? NIV. Okay. I'm reading out of the ESV. And the ESV says, for he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant. In other words, let's soften it from slave because maybe bond servant's a lot easier to take, right? Slave is actually the word in the Greek. It's the actual word. For he who is called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a slave of Christ. A bondservant of Christ. In other words, what you and I have said is, God, you're in control of my life. I will listen to you. I will do what you have asked me to do. I will abide and let you have total control of my life. You're going to ask me to do something, I'm going to do that. How easy is this for us? (laughs) Come on, come on, how easy? It's not easy, is it? It's actually really difficult. Because... Who wants to be Lord of our lives, usually? Me. I want to be Lord of my life, right? You want to be Lord of your life. We want to live the life that we want to live. And the standard of being in Christ means that standard is is that I am living for Him. And He is in total control of my life. Now, look at verse 23. You, why do we do this now? Why do we do this? Why do we say, God, you've got control of my life. Jesus, you got, why do we actually do this? Verse 23 is why. You, you were bought with a price. He's talking about us. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Who paid that price for us? Jesus, right? Jesus paid the price so that we could have hope of eternity. He died for you and for me, and therefore I am going to give my life totally over to Him. Totally. Totally over to Him. This isn't about me. It's about the cross. It's about the cross. Listen to this passage. Matthew 28, 18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Does Jesus, does Jesus have total control over your life? Does Jesus have total control over every area of our lives? I'm still working on quite a few areas. Anybody with me? Right? I mean, those areas are not easy. 
because they are the ones that continually make me, listen, they continually make me get back on my knees and beg for the grace that I only receive from him. And I'm so thankful for that blood that saves me. I'm so thankful for that blood that cleanses me continually. It's not something that just happened once. It's something that is continually cleansing me on and on in my life. And I don't deserve it. I don't deserve that. We don't deserve it. But we thank God for that. And we thank Jesus for that. So we fall down on our knees. We say, Lord, help me allow you to have control of my life. If anyone, Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And brothers and sisters, our culture, our culture is very counterintuitive to this whole idea of being a slave for Christ, right? That's countercultural. And so the way we look, the way we act, not just here but out there, around other people, we are different. We've got to be different because we've given our lives over to our Savior. All right, here's the second one. Here's the second one. I am willing to forsake all things to gain Christ. I am willing, or we are willing, to forsake all things to gain Christ. The word forsake there, that word forsake, actually means to abandon, to intentionally neglect, to intentionally neglect. I am willing to abandon I am willing to intentionally neglect all things so that I may gain Christ. Okay, so if I ask you today, because I know all of us have something. I've got something too. All of us got something. I don't want you to shout it out or anything because I'm not going to shout out mine. But if I asked you today, what's the hardest thing in your life right now that you need to give up? but you just kind of keep holding on to it. And you know, you know if I, man, it's just that, that recurring sin that keeps coming back in your life and you're going, you fall back on your knees after you, and you just go, God, so sorry. I did it again. That same thing. The anger or the pride, whatever it is. I did that same thing again. Please, please forgive me. Can I give up all things, all things, all things to gain my Savior in Christ? Philippians 3 verse 8 says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So the question that I look at when I hear Paul's statement right there, the question I look at is what's most important to him? And what's most important to him? Who is it that's most important to, to Paul? 
It's Christ, is it not? Right? What's most important then to me? Is Christ most important to me that I am willing to give up all things, all things for the sake of knowing Him and living in Him each and every day? Okay, here's C. C. I am willing to be formed in Christ. The Lake Homo Standard says we are people who give up control. We're people who forsake all things. We are also people who are willing to be formed in Christ. That's the idea of being molded, being molded, being shaped to actually look like Him. It's being willing to say, I am, I am okay with having maybe others come into my life and saying, hey, James, where's your struggles? And telling them my struggles so that they can help me in my growth to look like Christ. It's me being willing to say, this is going to be tough. Because when we are formed, what happens to us? It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. Any of you have been shaped lately in a way that you go, I didn't really want to be shaped like that, but man, God is doing a work in me. And when things are going on like that in my life, I go, what are you trying to teach me? Anybody there? You see, you understand that? All of us have been there. When we need to be formed by Christ, Ephesians 4 verse 15 says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to what? We're to what? Grow up. Grow up. Grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. There's only one original model, and it's not me. It's not anybody here in this church. There's only one original model that we actually follow. There's only one original model that we look to and we say, here's the person that I want to look like in my life. And that model is who? It's Jesus Christ, right? That's our model. That's who we look like. We know that he lived a sinless life and that he was a person who did not sin. And so I want to look like him. I know that every relationship that he had, I know that all those things that he did were in perfect harmony with what Jesus asked of him. Perfect harmony. And to some degree, but not fully, not fully, not fully, I hope that we are gaining and looking more like Him each and every day. Look at this verse, Ephesians 4, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to a measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Okay, Glenn, would you come up here just a second? Just stand here and face the audience. Go ahead. Okay. So, if you think about this, let me see if I got this locked here because I don't want it snapping Glenn right in the back of the head. Okay. Okay. All right, so here we go. All right, if you think about this, between... 
our relationship and where Jesus is, there's a gap. Right? I don't know how much higher this needs to go to represent Christ. But all of us sit here, and every single one of us have this. Correct? We have a gap. And our job is to mine the gap. Okay, thank you. You did well, Glenn. Our job is actually to, to mine that gap. Here's where, here's where I am. Here's where Christ is. Now listen, listen, listen. The gap's okay. You know why? Because we'll never fully get to that gap to exactly until when? Until we're in heaven. Until we become perfect. Until we have become like Him. Until then... There's always going to be a gap. And how we mind that gap is very important in our lives. Because some of us, many times that gap goes down, it goes down and we get that gap widens. Sometimes we close that gap, don't we? But each and every day, being formed into the image of Christ is all about this idea of how do you mind the gap? What do you do inside here? What's your journey inside the gap? What's your journey in this space that we live in? And we know that there are people in this world who actually have no... Their gap is large because they aren't in Christ. You and I... We are in Christ. We've been saved by His blood. We're a child. And we're here with Him. And each of us have a gap. It's okay. The gap's great. The gra- it's not, it, it, all of us are in this gap. Each one of us are, are struggling in this gap. And the question to you is how do you keep moving closer to Him each and every day? Knowing that you're going to do this, knowing that you're, this is a journey, but your goal is to make that gap as close and closer and closer as possible, knowing that we're not going to get there, knowing that that's not going to come until the day when He returns and He calls all those who are His who are at home. And so for the Lakehoma standard, the Lakehoma standard is about us being the people who give up control. We give up control. It's about a people of God saying, I'm willing to look like Him, look like you in everything that I do. I'm going to give up all things if I have to. And it's a commitment to Him that says, I'm going to work on the gap in my life. I want to, each and every day, grow closer to Him. And people, if you're struggling with this, that's why a church is here. That's why churches were formed. That's why Christ formed His church for, 
So a body of Christ can help one another as we're on this journey. That we need each other on the, in this gap. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other in this gap. That's what Lake Homa is about. We're not all perfect. None of us are perfect here. Not a single one of us. But I hope that we're all on the same journey. We're all on the same journey to look more like Him each and every day. And I hope that's what we're doing to encourage one another as well. And you may be here this morning. You may go, you know what? I'm not even a follower of Jesus Christ right now. Well, I go back to where we started in that watery grave to say, hey, maybe it's my day to make a decision to follow Him and give my life totally to Him because I want to be with Him one day. Whatever you need is, would you come as together we stand and sing. Hooray.